Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Bear Necessities podcast. In this week's episode, we finally have good audio quality. Again, I was able to kind of fix up my microphone a little bit. So the audio quality will be much improved from last podcast, but Reese and I are still both looking into upgrading microphones pretty shortly. So expect even better quality from the Bear Necessities podcast in the near future. This week, we have a lot of interesting topics for you guys. Um, First off, as always, we'll be going over the news over the past couple days, including the Bears signing Marquise Christian and NFL teams now allowing tryouts, plus the COVID positivity rate in the NFL being 0.5%. Then we're going to be getting into the bulk of the show and our premier topics, which include going over the Bears coaching interviews over the past couple of days, including Matt Nagy's and Coach Pagano's, and then Brett Favre wanting Aaron Rodgers in Chicago. After that, we're going to be discussing whether or not the Bears' offensive line is really that bad and evaluating Matt Nagy's talent as not only a play caller, but an overall head coach. But before we get into the show, guys, we want to ask you if you could please leave us a rating and review in the bottom of Apple Podcasts. That would help us tremendously. Um, It really helps promote us to new listeners and really just allows us to expand the podcast, which will ultimately in the end create better audio listening experiences for you guys in the future. And hey, while you're at it, why don't you go ahead and follow us on Instagram at Chicago Bear Necessities. It's just a great way to keep up with us and really allows us to start facilitating a community for all of our fans to discuss about all the latest Bears news. So thank you guys once again for tuning into the podcast and enjoy the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Bear Necessities podcast. We finally have good audio quality once again and uh it, it it's all right now it's doing okay how are you doing this week i'm doing pretty good man just uh trying to get some some things done and out of the way so it's just been kind of been a, a busier week but uh definitely good to to be back here and talking about the bears which always is a fun topic and livens up the day a little bit of course yes and this is actually the first or the last podcast really I think of our summers or of of my summer at least I go back to school officially coming this Monday and uh, so that's going to mean a lot more work for me and uh, I can't say that I was really relaxing all this much this summer but certainly going to have a lot more work going forward. Yeah I got I think my classes start the 24th so a week after you but of course I'm gonna be doing some moving next week and all that so it's going to be uh busier and all that and uh you know it definitely is gonna be a bit of a time squeeze and all that but you know you and i have definitely always made the uh the effort to try Mm -hmm. to make some time to to record the podcast so you know i think all you listeners and uh fans just don't need to worry because we're definitely still going to stick around and we're committed at this for sure yeah there may be some slight schedule changes that we're gonna have to deal with um of course with you know two almost out of college uh, kids right now. We have a lot of work going on for us and trying to figure everything out with our life outside of this podcast, which we've been, you know, doing. Honestly, the amount of growth we've seen for doing this consistently for, geez, what is it, like four months, five months? We we did the, the podcast has been around for a while, but only consistently for like probably four months. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's definitely, it's crazy. And I mean, we really started this when a lot of the stay-at-home order, at least in, in Illinois, kind of got put in place around like that early March or mid-March time. And, you know, since that, we've been really uh, working at it and, you know, definitely we're reaping the awards of our hard effort, I think, you know, so far, but definitely keep pushing. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we're going to pray for a football season that's coming up in, in supposedly four weeks. Um, but you just never know. And, you know, if, if there isn't one, if there is one, we're going to have a lot of news. If there isn't one, uh, we're going to have a, you know, we're still going to be bringing you guys content. And I, you know, I think no matter what, even if it does get delayed, the season will be played in one regard or another. Um, I think, I think it's just going to be a matter of when, how, I think maybe some protocols would have to change, but that's actually going to bring us into our news over the past couple of days. The first thing I want to bring up, the COVID positivity rate in the NFL is currently at 0.5%, which is actually uh, really, really good considering that, you know, a lot of states are at about 8%. So they're doing a good job with players staying safe um, when they're outside, trying to take care of their bodies. And it seems like players are actually being really responsible. 
Yeah, I mean, it seems like it. I think that, you know, of course, when teams are, you know, only really intermingling with themselves right now, it's going to be the, the easiest for them to really keep all of us in control. But with that being said, with everything that could go wrong, it has been going very smoothly so far. And it seems like a lot of the players are being as responsible as possible. You know, I, I, I think I saw a tweet today from Eddie Jackson talking about him using hand sanitizer and how some of them smell like shit. So, you know, at least it's, it's good to, it's good to see, you know, some of these players are out there doing, uh, doing the right thing. And, you know, of course there's no, no way you can absolutely prevent yourself from getting the virus, but you can do what you can to try to minimize that risk. Yeah. And you know, that's what it, that's just what you can do. You know, it's unfortunate because you can take all the precautions. You can stay at home all day and, you know, maybe either your your wife goes out to the grocery store and just somehow contracts it. Like it's, it's that scary of a virus and it's that contagious of a virus. So, I mean, the fact that we're at 0.5% is a, a big success for the NFL so far. Hopefully we can see that actually come down now that players are going to be in training camp and kind of around the same people. Uh, hopefully it'll, you know, form some sort of bubble effect, but I'm just happy uh, to see that that positivity rate is very low. And I wonder if that is including the false positives as well, which would make it even um, um, a much more astounding rate. I'm assuming that they took those out, um, but you just, I, I just, I don't know with that, but let's go ahead and move on. The Bears they actually had a signing this past week, Marquis Christian. Uh, he's a former Rams player and he's a safety as well. A lot of people are saying that he's going to be kind of coming in to uh, fill in the role that, um, what's his name left? Jordan <laughs> Yeah, sorry, Lucas, Jor- yeah. Jordan Lucas. It's a very name in my opinion, but yeah, that he's going to kind of <laughs> fill in a backup role there. And um, ultimately, he's also supposed to be a pretty good on special teams. I, I do not know much about the player, but from what I've seen online is that he's a pretty good special teams player. Yeah. From what I was kind of able to conjure up, it seems like he was definitely brought in for his uh, special teams prowess. I think the bears felt like they uh, had a hole there as soon as Jordan Lucas decided to opt out. So I think that's probably the biggest part why he filled in. Um, another thing that I thought was definitely a positive was, I don't, you know, I don't expect Marquis uh, Christensen to, to really be starting too many games. Hopefully he doesn't have to. Hopefully the Bears can stay healthy in that uh, in that backfield but or in the secondary. But uh, I also saw that when he did play for the Rams, which he, I think he got like 34% That's of snaps good. or something like that last year on that defense, which is actually a decent amount, um, most of the time he was playing in the box. Mm. So it seems like you know optimally if Eddie Jackson can stay healthy and if they just get a little banged up at that strong safety position, he can be someone that could slide down in there into the box, which is kind of what we were talking about last, uh, you know, a couple podcasts ago about bringing in Tony Jefferson or someone that's a little bit more aggressive, a little more in that mm. box kind of safety role. So it looks like it was kind of a little bit of a, a you know win-win for him on this one. Of course, he's not a huge notable player. But, uh, you know, overall a decent sign. Yeah, and it's one of those things where it's like, I mean, how, how, how bad can a signing be when it's for a veteran minimum contract? So it's, it's not, it's, it, it's, you know, something that's going to fill the role uh, that we were missing, especially with that box safety that we don't really have a lot of players that can play that position on this team. So pairing him with Eddie Jackson, I think would be, you know, good in certain different packages. And then also having Trishawn Gibson as well um, is going to be massive for that safety position, which we're actually going to talk a little bit about the safety position later in the episode. Um, but look, moving on, the Bears, in order to make this move happen, uh, actually wave Ramiz Ahmed, a kicker that I think was undrafted. And some people were making actually like a big deal about his signing in undrafted free agency um, because they thought that he's going to come in and, you know, compete with Pinheiro, which, you know, seems like that's not going to be the case. And it, it, it probably shouldn't have been the case. I think Pinheiro did pretty good last year for considering that all the pressure that was on him and being his first role. Um, so I'm any just quick thoughts on this move. I, I think it's pretty, you know, lukewarm. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, as far as this move goes, I think that I think it's it's totally fine. You know, Eddie Pinheiro, like you said, he did a, a decent job last year. You know, he did miss a couple of kicks that weren't like extremely hard. They weren't like a 40 plus yard kick. 
So, you know, he wasn't perfect, but at the same time, I mean, man, last offseason was so much about that kicker position. And I think the last thing that, you know, a lot of Bears fans wanted to hear about was another kicking competition because it just seemed to be so much of a distraction from a lot of the actual issues of that team. So I'm totally fine moving on with Eddie Pinheiro and not having a kicking competition. Um, you know, as far as waving him, I mean, I'm sure that he probably had some potential. That's why he was brought in. Um, but you never know. I mean, you know, sometimes you're able to bring some of these kickers back. There is always a demand for kickers, but teams really only leave one on their roster. So there's really only 32 that can be employed at a time. And, you know, if things go the wrong way, I'm sure the Bears could find a way to bring them back in. Okay, yeah. And I mean, at the end of the day, I think Pinero did a good job. Um, what, I mean, obviously the game that I think sticks out to most Bears fans was the Denver game where he nailed that what was it like a 65 yarder or something to win the game for us or maybe it was a 58 yarder um yeah i can't i don't remember being a 65 yarder yeah i think it was 58 i knew it was really long but mitch and uh robinson and pinheiro ended up saving the day for us in that game and you know pinheiro definitely had his faults but i think he's just a young kicker Uh, he's working through his faults and honestly for first year it's just really his first year kicking in the NFL. I, I think he did a pretty good job. And I think, you know, he handles pressure well. And that's a big thing with a kicker in Chicago that we needed is he needs to handle the pressure well. So ultimately, uh, I'm happy with Pinero. I don't think we need to make any sort of change there. Um, yeah, so I think that's about it. And then um, one last piece of news, the NFL teams are now allowed to have tryouts. So this actually could be some positive news for the Bears in regards to maybe looking at players who potentially have had injuries um, and some guys that, you know, we're kind of on the fence about. It's going to be really interesting to see if we end up picking anybody up now that we have tryouts potentially. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, maybe we'll get one of those uh, situations like the Disney movie Invincible. Uh, <laughs> famous about, well, I think it's Mark Wahlberg. I could be so wrong on who the actor is that walks onto that Philadelphia Eagles team. But oh, yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know. I mean, we'll see. I think it's interesting, though. And it's, I don't know, it's almost kind of crazy that like, the NFL didn't really have that to begin with. I think like you can do like emergency like tryouts, especially for like things like a kicker or something like that. But especially I think this year is a great year to kind of bring in more measures like that when, I don't know, you have to do things a little bit more unconventionally. You know, you really have to be flexible and work with these teams and allow them if they need to fill in gaps and do all these kind of things to to actually be out there and go out and do them, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think the biggest thing is just, we, when you have tryouts, you're really able to get a better look at a player than just past performance. You're able to see where exactly they're at today. And I think that's the benefit of them. And I think that's a big reason why we end up, we'll probably end up signing a couple guys. Um, once we, maybe we'll go through training camp a little bit more, but maybe bringing in Damon Harrison, see how he's doing. Um, and honestly, Okay, you good? Yeah, I don't know what happened. Okay. Just dropped. No worries. Yeah. Um, but bring in Damon Harrison and just guys who potentially have had injuries or have maybe slowed down a little bit and get to really see where they're at um, at, at this point in their career. So ultimately, and you know, watching football with your eyes like on field is much, much different than watching it on tape. So ultimately, it's a really, uh, it, it's a positive, it's positive for the entire NFL, I'd say. Um, but one one last thing before we move into the actual uh, bulk of the show, I wanted to bring up from our YouTube channel. I've seen such a high demand that Bears fans want the Bears to sign Jadavian Clowney. And That's like, really interesting. I, yeah, what do you what do you think about that, Reese? Give me your initial thoughts. Uh, I mean, like, I guess what I'm thinking is, yeah, I mean, he's still out there on the market, so I don't know how high or how big of a contract he can really be asking for. But I just feel like the money can be better spent, like still within this team, you know, at, at that position, you know, the Bears are, are quite well off. I mean, we've talked about that, you know, quite extensively that in the, within the front seven, the Bears are extremely strong. And I, and I believe, you know, Javion uh, Clowney is a quality player, um, you know, had, had a pretty good season with uh, Seattle a couple of years ago, 
but he also still kind of carries that injury reputation, which in a season like this, I think you just want players that can be as reliable and can go out there and play on the field, you know, as much as possible. You know, you want people to stay healthy and, you know, be able to constantly deliver. And, And Clowney brings a question mark there. I just think that Clowney would be a great, he'd look great on this defense 100%, but almost just seems like overkill, you know? I mean, why keep, you know, putting money into the defense when I feel like it's already a sure thing? Could you imagine, though? Like, could, could you just, like, ponder that for a second? He could go ahead and Clowney, I think, similar uh, as, as Mac can actually play both 3-4 defensive end and edge rusher. Uh, he's big enough to do both. So could you imagine just, like, Clowney on the opposite side of, you know, either Hicks or Mac on the opposite side of Hicks and then Clowney on the opposite side of, you know, uh, Robert Quinn. That would be that would be disgusting. That 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 would be a complete field day. And you know, the the reason why I think this signing actually would potentially make sense, Aaron Rodgers is still in our division, right? And if Aaron Rodgers is in your division and you have a quarterback like Mitchell Trubisky potentially being your starter, you better hope that you can make Aaron Rodgers play a little bit more like Mitchell Trubisky, you know? And that the only way to really do that is to just keep increasing the pass rusher. No no team would be able to handle Khalil Mack, Robert Quinn, Jadavian Clowney, and Akeem Hicks. Nobody. It, it would be impossible. And, you know, Jadavian Clowney, he didn't have the... He didn't... Jadavian Clowney didn't have the best year statistically... But, and I don't even think he, I don't know how many sacks he had, but he had very few. But he he gets a lot of attention. And getting attention away from Mac or Robert Quinn is huge. Yeah, I, I already think in a, in a decent way, I think that Robert Quinn's really going to free up uh, Khalil Mack a lot, you know, in this upcoming season. And, you know, of course, Akeem Hicks is still a force to be had, you know, unfortunately, you know, Eddie Goldman was not a huge pass rush threat, but, you know, unfortunately we're losing him. Um, Roy Robertson-Harris, I think, did a decent job opposite of Akeem Hicks, you know, or filling in for Akeem Hicks when he was injured. So, I don't know. I think the Bears are already quite loaded up. I think they're almost impossible to handle already. Um, of course, yeah, put it would put them over the top to go out there and get Clowney. And, you know, if the Bears do end up signing, them, I will, signing him, I will not trash them. For that move, you know, one bit, I think it would make this defense remarkable. But I don't think it's a, a move that needs to be made in any way. It's like a, it's a, a good thing to kind of dream about and think about in a way. It's a luxury. It would be a complete luxury signing, 100%. That's kind of what I'm get, trying to get at, yeah. Yeah, and I, I, I think that the, you know, the biggest thing is, first and foremost, I would like to see Ryan Pace try to, you know, bring in some more talent offensively via either trade or, you know, through free agency, whatever. But, um, I mean, if you're looking at the start of the season coming up and you have as much cap as we do currently and Jadavion wants to sign, you know, a one-year deal and just absolutely ball out and be a monster this next year with the Chicago Bears. I mean, Seattle's got a decent defense, but it's not the Bears. Jadavian has not played on a defense even remotely similar to the Bears. And I just think that ultimately it would be a great move for him and for the Chicago Bears if we don't really have any other interest at different guard positions or whatever it may be. And again, I would only want it to be a one-year deal. I wouldn't want it to be anything more than that. I think that is the best move possible. And hey, maybe you could potentially trade him. Uh, on the franchise tag next year. When you think about it, forward thinking like that, it, it's not a bad idea either. Um, but let's go ahead and move on. Any final comments on that, Reese? Or? No, I think what you said as far as contract-wise, absolutely on a one-year deal. I mean, you know, the more and more I think about it, you know, the one-year deal would just be an excellent move. And for someone like him, you know, bringing him in, it's just, it'd be good to, it's always good to have the flexibility off a of one-year deal where you can release him if, you know, things don't really work out as planned. If things work out great, then like you said, awesome. Then you stick a franchise tag on him and you end up getting him on a on a decent deal or you're not overpaying him too much. Sure, yeah, you go out and trade him and get some decent capital back, especially if he performs well. He's going to have a decent, decent stock and will be able to get you, you know, a decent amount, whether it's a draft pick or another player that you want in return. So, yeah, if the Bears end up going out there trying to make the move, I think the one-year deal would certainly be the best way to go about it. 
Awesome, awesome. And, and this week, uh, we actually got some coach interviews. So we're going to be talking a little bit about those next. Both Coach Pagano and Matt Nagy uh, spoke to the media. And we have a couple takeaways from this. Let's go ahead and start off with Pagano's interview. The big takeaway I had was he said that the safety competition is wide open between Deion Bush and Treshawn Gibson. So it's not as or at least in Pagano's eyes, it's not as decided as us Bears fans might think that Treshawn Gibson is going to be the starter. We might actually see Deion Bush, you know, come out and perform potentially better. I'm not predicting it. I think Treshawn Gibson is going to end up winning the job. But it's interesting to see that Pagano has such high regards for Deion Bush that he'd even consider having a competition with them. Yeah, you know... In that case, I think that it's interesting. I feel like Treshawn Gibson is the better complement to Eddie Jackson. And I think that really what the Bears need to focus on is kind of putting Jackson in the best position where he can utilize his skill set in the right way. I think that, of course, you have your own defensive scheme, and Pagano has his own defensive scheme. And we talked about what that means as far as playing more man-to-man and you know Eddie Jackson playing more man-to-man. I think that they would benefit from... You know, possibly playing more cover one, having Jackson, you know, drop off deep in the zone. And I think that Trishawn Gibson would be good to stick in the box and, you know, possibly guard a tight end or a slot wide receiver. You know, I, I like Deion Bush. I, you know, I've been a fan of him. Um, of course, you know, he's been around in the team for a while. He's been a part of Fangio and now Pagano's scheme. Yeah, he's he's been around for the team and he kind of knows what it means to be on this defense. So I understand, you know, the the want to possibly stick with him. You know, he's just someone that's been around the team a lot and he knows, you know, the chemistry and maybe he's he's a better fit to drop in right away. So we'll see how it plays out. I mean, of course, Pagano, you know, is watching these players in camp every day. Um, you know, has been able to hasn't had as much experience with Gibson. Of course, he's new to the team, but was able to see you know, Dion Bush all of last season. So, yeah, I mean, maybe Pagano sees more in him than, you know, we're giving uh, him credit for. I do ultimately think, though, it will be Treshawn Gibson that will be uh, at least that week one starter, I'd have to think. Yeah, and the whole thing with Dion Bush is he may not be the highest of quality starter, but he is a really high quality backup option. And that's what I've always appreciated with Dion Bush is, it's never, it always seems like he cares about being prepared for stepping into the game because he, he's gotten more and more snaps as he's stayed with the Bears his career. And he's filled in for Eddie Jackson a couple times. And he, he, he comes in in rotation quite a bit. But he is a player that consistently has improved, but also uh, ha- has consistently um, just been a, you know, a high quality fill in option. And that's what I appreciate about him. I like that he doesn't. Um, I know he was, I think he was a little bit disappointed with the Trishon Gibson signing. I think he tweeted something out when that happened. Um, I, I think he really does want his chance. So maybe they're just giving him a chance at it out of respect for him and how long he's been with the team and how, what he puts towards the team. But um, ultimately, I, I, I believe that Trishon Gibson will fill that role as I don't think that you know, kind of common sense. It doesn't seem like they'd bring him in to be a backup option. Yeah, and like you said, I think a good point that you hit on is that Dion Bush is someone that, that wants it. You know, each time that he steps in, he's giving it his absolute all. You know, even, you know, he's basically played both of the safety positions. It's not even a matter of being comfortable. He'll he'll walk in and, and play as hard as he needs to to try to go out there and prove that he's he's worth it, you know. So he's definitely someone that has a really high work rate and uh you know maybe he doesn't have the most flashy skills but i feel like he has a very balanced skill set um he's a decent tackler he's decent in coverage so basically he can almost fill in almost anywhere in that secondary of course he's more comfortable at the safety position but he's a real a real tool to have like you said step in off the bench and you're right of course you know no player really likes sitting on the bench that much unless you're like lou williams and you're just a perennial like six man of the year in the nba (laughs) but uh yeah, I mean, of course, he's going to want his shot at the starting position. So I understand, like, his, uh, you know, discontent when you bring in, you know, someone that's going to take your job. I mean, no one likes that. Yeah, for sure. And let's go ahead and move on to the Matt Nagy interview. I think that 
most Bears fans are in their right when they on how they view uh, that safety competition. Uh, Matt Nagy, he said that so far, so good on the quarterback uh, competition that they're having. And there is no decision timeline yet for who the starting quarterback is. Not that this says a lot for us, but, you know, and it's not like Nagy would say anything otherwise than so far, so good. But I'm happy to see that he's not coming out and saying we need to be better and like this, this and that at the quarterback position like he was doing at times last year when the media was in practice. And actually, lucky for us, this next coming Monday, um, Bear, media is actually able to be at Bears practices now. So we're actually going to get a live look or some updates at least as to how the Chicago Bears quarterbacks are doing. And we're going to be able to see, is Mitchell Trubisky throwing two picks of practice like he was last year? or And is Matt Nagy going to have to answer questions about that? Or is it going to be a solid, clean play from Trubisky? I think we know a little bit more with Nick Foles, but you know it's still important to see how the receivers are adjusting to him and how he's looking as well. Um, but I'm more interested in seeing Trubisky. Yeah, I think that it's 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 interesting and it's going to be great that we have the media in there because honestly, it, it kind of blows to have this whole quarterback competition going on and you're, you know, you feel like you're still in the dark. You know, part of the best thing about a quarterback competition is kind of all the drama that comes with it, even though if it's not always best for you know, the football team and right. Having the coach answer, you know, okay, Trubisky came out here and either did well or okay. Yeah. He threw like three picks. What's going on with him? You know, why is he, you know, having that connection? Even another big thing is, you know, who's getting the majority of the first and second team reps, you know, are they doing a, uh, a straight 50, 50 shot? Um, you know, is Trubisky getting the majority of the snaps with the first team is, you know, Foles getting the majority of the snaps. It's going to be really good to get a nice insight into that. You know, it's, it's just, it's odd. It's perfect, though. It's perfect for the Bears to have this be the start of their quarterback competition. They can keep a, so much in-house and do things exactly how they want it and call the shots because they're the only ones that really get to see it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that the the thing that I'm most interested in is why did the Bears decide to go ahead and let this happen? Because they didn't have to let media come to practices. Like there was no mandate by the NFL that media needs to be at practices this year. They are allowing this to happen. So is Matt Nagy pretty confident in this quarterback competition? Does he like how things are coming together? Or does he kind of want to add some pressure to the quarterbacks? We don't really know. So that's going to be uh, something that's going to be really interesting to see how it unfolds. Maybe he's, you know, high on foals and he wants the fans on his side or something like that. Um, it's just going it, to, it, it's going to be interesting to see. And it's going to give us a lot as you said, we've kind of been robbed of a quarterback competition. I know, Reese, you and I would have loved to been at camp this year, seeing how the quarterbacks are playing. We try to do that almost every year, it seems like. Um, but unfortunately, we don't get to see that. But yeah, I'm I'm excited because this is going to mean a lot more Bears news that we can talk about, and it's going to mean a lot more excitement overall for the team going into the season. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely uh, pretty stoked about the media coming in. It is going to change the dynamic 100%, you know. Um, you know, I don't know who made the call to decide to bring the media in. If it was Nagy, then yeah, is he scheming? Is he up to something? Is he trying to get the fans on his side, you know? Or is it someone, you know, an upper management more? Or was it Pace, you know? Who's making the call and what their intentions are is definitely interesting and something that we can probably only just you know talk about we're probably never going to learn what the actual reasoning is but it's definitely good that we're finally going to get a look into it and you know i'm i'm excited to see it at least just to get some of the clips to see you know how trubisky is looking you know we've heard so much about all the improvements that he's been making over the off season that's been speculated who he's been working with so is it actually paying off is he actually looking mechanically better? You know, what is going on? You know, if, are we going to get to see some snaps and like scrimmages where he's actually playing against a, a defense that's playing at, you know, at least 75% speed, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what's going on. Cause so far, you know, I think we heard that only recently have uh, quarterbacks actually been able to throw to wide receiver tight ends and running backs. that only just started yesterday, I believe. So it's going to be real interesting to see how this plays out. And outside of that, we can also see how the rookies are developing as well. And the new free agents we added, how's Ted Ginn looking? You know, how's Riley Ridley looking? How's Anthony Miller looking? It's going to be really great to actually see that. Um, but going, moving on, um, 
some some more interesting news that we have. Brett Favre is wanting Aaron Rodgers to end up in Chicago. Reese, you actually sent me this um, yesterday, and it was really interesting to hear just how passionate he kind of was when saying that. He really made it seem like it was an obvious answer. Yeah, and you know, I don't know if that comes from his own experience or what. I mean, it's pretty clear that you know, of course, Brett Favre, he had his stint with the Jets, which didn't go quite as planned, but, you know, very famous. And the Vikings. Yeah, well, he played with the Jets first, and then he famously went to the Vikings, which is a, a division rival of the Packers, and, and had quite a bit of success with them. Of course, beat the Packers, uh, became one of the first people to, like, beat all 32 teams. So, you know, of course, he had his own, like, experience with that, and he was kind of forced out when Aaron Rodgers took eventually took his job, so... I think, you know, it's a little bit of his own personal experience. I think, you know, almost as a fan, right, I think a lot of people would just be intrigued at seeing, you know, Aaron Rodgers. Even from a neutral like standpoint, just everyone else around the league would be intrigued at seeing Aaron Rodgers on the Bears just because it's, it's always been Rodgers, you know, not necessarily beating up on the Bears, but he does have a pretty damn good record against us. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a pretty historic, it's one of the biggest rivalries, if not the biggest in the NFL and all of American sports. And to make that kind of move would just be, it'd be huge. It'd be a, almost a turning point in league history. Rodgers going to the Bears would not only be good for the Chicago Bears, but it'd be good for the NFL. Like it would be a massive, massive storyline. Think about, okay, think about this Brady storyline, you know, him going to Tampa Bay. It's been huge this offseason, him leaving New England. Now imagine someone who's on, I mean, maybe not on par with success, but kind of in the way he's viewed is pretty on par with Brady going to a division rival in what in with two of the oldest franchises in the NFL, the starting the founding franchise and pretty much like the second franchise in one of the most historic rivalries, it would be absolutely massive. It would be one of the biggest storylines we've seen in the NFL in years. Ultimately, you know, we've talked extensively about this on the podcast. I think that Chicago is a perfect, 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 perfect spot for Aaron Rodgers. And I think everybody can see it. I think, you know, Pat McAfee on his show, he brought it up. You know, Brett Favre can see it, that it's a perfect matchup. The, 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 the real concern for me is how are the Chicago Bears going to make it happen? Because we already have a ton of different salaries on our books. You know, we have big money dedicated to Eddie Goldman, Eddie Jackson, you know, Khalil Mack, of course, Robert Quinn. We have all this money dedicated to these different players. The way, and I kind of looked at, you know, the finances of everything and what we would probably need to give him and and everything in that regard. Um, And the way we probably need to make it happen is instead of signing any new players this year, we'd probably have to, you know, go with, cut as many players as we can and then um, give players you restructure players contracts to give their future money in this year because for you guys who don't know rollover cap it's not like a one-to-one ratio i think you only get to keep like 10 percent, maybe 20 percent of your rollover cap so if the bears just kept 20 million dollars on their salary this year they would essentially only get maybe like two million to four million dollars next year so it makes a lot more sense to restructure it we did that with kyle fuller this previous season so the Bears could make it happen, and it would it it would be uh, I mean absolutely massive move. move. It'd be huge. Yeah. Ryan Pace would be loved by Bears fans. It would make up for everything. <laughs> oh, hundred percent. I, I think it's a move that they if the opportunity presents itself, you absolutely have to go make. And, I, and if it means cutting some veteran players to get some cap, I, I think you do it. And then what you do afterwards is kind of. You give, I think you give Aaron Rodgers, you know, hopefully you're able to bring him in before the draft and you give him a decent amount of stake in what he wants as far as the draft. I mean, he's an experienced enough player at this point where he can kind of see talent. Um, He knows talent when he sees it. So, you know, you go into the next draft and if it means that you have to, you know, cut a couple wide receivers, you say, okay, hey, we'll pick a wide receiver. Who do you want us to go out and target or give us a couple players you want us to target and we'll try to make it happen or, you know, a couple offensive linemen will try to make it happen, et cetera, et cetera. 
you know, I think if the opportunity comes up, then you absolutely need to do it. I mean, clearly he'd be the best quarterback this franchise has ever had. And think about it too, it'd be a perfect time for the Bears to really get serious about quarterback development. If you draft a rookie quarterback, maybe it doesn't have to be in the first round, but you bring someone, you say, okay, hey, Aaron, this is like your job. You know that, of course, but, you know, providing that mentorship role to a young quarterback that, you know, hey, could step in after him and could kind of keep the legacy going That'd be a perfect situation for the Bears. I don't think it's one that they could really afford to pass up if it's realistically something they can do. If I was Ryan Pace, what I would go ahead and do it, I'd bring him in. I would say, hey, our first round draft pick, our second round draft pick, our third round draft pick, those are all going to be offensive players. We are going to bring you in the most offensive weaponry you have ever seen. Okay, We are going to tailor this team to you. You can work with Matt Nagy. Your voice is going to be heard. And you know what? We're going to go ahead and give you a four-year fully guaranteed contract. You're not going to be traded. This is your team for the next four years. If you suck, we suck. If you perform well, we're going to be performing well. I, as a Bears fan, think that Aaron Rodgers is going to be good over the next four years. Okay. He's going to have at least four more years in him. He has not seen declines in his play. I understand why the Packers, actually, you know what? I really don't understand why the Packers wanted to move on move on from him. I understand from, you know, they, they're desiring getting this young quarterback, young, you know, young coordinator pairing that has became so popular in the NFL. But you're talking about an all-time great here. You say, Aaron, we will we can take it to the Super Bowl. We are going to hear you. We are going to give you something that you have never had, and that is a voice. In what is happening with this team. You're a good enough player that you deserve that, right? Just as Tom Brady was given that voice in Tampa Bay, we are going to give him this voice in Chicago. And it would be, it, Aaron Rodgers would bite at that. He, he he absolutely would. I don't think, I think also the fact that he would be in the Packers division is huge for him. You know, it's absolutely huge for him. And how many other teams have such a good roster outside of the quarterback position but are still looking for a quarterback. Very few. You cannot find a team that is better fit for Aaron Rodgers than the Chicago Bears. I mean, there is no other team that's a better fit for him. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, just, I mean, with this defense or anything that resembles what this defense is right now, with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback, bar even the offensive talent that the Bears have, I mean, that's already easily a team that, is without a doubt making the playoffs. And then you start adding in the other offensive weapons that they have, and you say the Bears bulk up the offensive line just a little bit. Of course, it's an immediate Super Bowl contender. I mean, almost any team with Aaron Rodgers on it is. And, I mean, that's a team that, you know, every team would have to take seriously and a team that really has a serious chance at at going at it. You know, I think right now as a Bears fan, I think that, you know, we can see that this defense is Super Bowl caliber and there's enough pieces on offense on offense where you can make a decent run at it. There's just not that sureness at the quarterback position where you can realistically say, okay, hey, this is a team that can really go out and mix it up. You know, we look at it and we go, okay, this is a team that could make the playoffs if everything goes right and we'll see what happens from there. But with Aaron Rodgers, that's a totally different, it changes the narrative 100%. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know what else you would, you could negatively say about this move. I, I know we would be potentially forgoing a really good draft pick um, in next year's draft. But hey, I mean, if this team gets the 10 wins we're predicting, we're not looking at a real high-end quarterback. We're not looking at a top, you know, two pick. We're, we're, we're definitely probably not going to be looking at Fields or Lawrence. It would be really just... It, it, it would really be the, you know, lower end guys. You know, we talked about it pretty extensively. Whereas Rodgers is just a for sure answer. You're going to have, you know, you'd have Aaron Rodgers. You've ha- you'd have Khalil Mack on the same team. So two of the highest, two arguably two of the best players at their position on both sides of the ball, right? Or one, both are certainly no matter which way you spin it, top two or three at their position right top two or three offensive players probably offensive player defense player top two or three and um at the, i mean at the end of the day it's just it's clear as day for the bears that you you really want to make that move and you should do anything to make that happen right that's what it is 
Yeah, uh, definitely. They should already be preparing for this and trying to, to figure something out because it's something that could definitely alter the course of the franchise. I mean, it really would be that big of a move, not just to gas it up, but, I mean, this is Aaron Rodgers that we're talking about. I think any Bears fan that, you know, actually watches the games and has watched the Bears-Packers games and has just watched the Packers play, you know, whether it's on a bye week for the Bears or, you know, we get to watch them anyway because they're a divisional opponent. I think they can see just the quality of a player that he is. I mean, like you said, I mean, top two or three at his position, uh, 100% without a doubt. I mean, there's not really much else that can be said. I, you know, he's someone that would really change things. Even at his age, he can still bring it. Um, I think he's going to have some decent longevity. I, yeah, like you said earlier, have not seen him fall off that much. It's just, yeah, it's a... Uh, it's a it's a shoe in. Yeah, and at the end of the day, the Bears need to go and make that happen. They they need to st- keep making bold moves. I mean, we have to remember this defense. It's not going to stay young forever. Khalil Mack, I think, turned twenty nine this year. He's going to be thirty. Um, do we really want to be starting this over with a young quarterback? Do it, oh, and you know, really delaying our progress potentially for two three years down the line. Khalil Mack will be 33. Akeem Hicks will be about the same age. I mean, I don't think that's what we want to do. I think what we want to do is we want to go ahead, bring in a known commodity, which we we I wish we could have done this year, but we couldn't. We we did what we could, and go ahead and you know at least give it everything you can to get Aaron Rodgers. Hell, I know even some teams have talked about. Um, it hasn't, I don't think it's happened yet in sports. I'm not 100% positive, but there's been a, some slight movement in players potentially getting equity in the teams they play for. I mean, hell, if you want to give, uh, Aaron Rodgers, you know, one to 2% of ownership in the Chicago bears, I, I don't think that's a bad idea either. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. As someone that doesn't own any share in them. Yeah. I don't care. You can give them as much equity in the team as you want. I'm not losing any money off of it. So yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean that that seems almost like a topic for a different day. It sounds uh, pretty damn cool, like you know, working for a business that you have partial ownership in. That's uh, pretty awesome. But uh, yeah, I think that it's it's uh, you pull out all the stops, you do what you need to do. It's it's like when LeBron James was a free agent. You know, you just you give him the pitch and you do absolutely everything to try to get him in because it's it's just that big of a deal. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if the Bears have 11 wins this year, like we think they potentially could, imagine that 11-win team going and grabbing Aaron Rodgers. I mean, that would be absolutely huge and a a huge excitement for Chicago. And I think that we actually have, if I remember correctly, an opt-out after this season uh, for Nick Foles. So we can actually get out of this contract, if I remember correctly. We can get out of the Jimmy Graham contract. That will clear up, you know, 17 million in cap space right there. Okay. And then you you have Kyle Fuller. You you it can happen. It it might change it might change the team a little bit, but the team would still have a really good defense and enough pieces offensively to go out and win a Super Bowl 100 percent Um so so let's go ahead and move on. That's enough talking about Aaron Rodgers. I mean, it's something that we can only dream of right now. Um I, I was reading an article, uh, CBS Sports Chicago put out a f- Four reasons to be optimistic for the Chicago Bears uh, this coming season. And one of the one of the big statements they made is the offensive line isn't that bad. So today I just kind of want to talk about, is the Chicago Bears offensive line really that bad? I know they performed very poorly last year, right? And, you know, it, it, it really has altered our perspective because in 2018, they actually performed pretty well. And really the only difference is, you know, Kyle, Kyle Long. That's the one player we're missing. And in 2019, Kyle Long really didn't play that well. And hey, even in 2018, when we were missing Kyle Long for a little bit, we still played pretty well. We didn't play awful, right? So the article also kind of pointed out, they said that we have a quality duo in Massey and Leno at tackle. James Daniels has played well when he was young, has played young, Jesus, has played well when he is young uh, at guard, right? And Whitehair is a borderline all-pro, right? And, and I think that Whitehair is by far our best offensive lineman that is set in, that is set in stone, pro bowler. Um, yeah, borderline all-pro, really, really, really good player. Massey, Leno, they're a little bit underrated, I think, because, you know, both of them had a 
had an okay year last year, but not a great year. And then James Daniels, I think when we had him at center, performed pretty poorly. But when he went back to guard, he performed really well again. So ultimately, we also had some major injuries. We had players coming out and in. And pretty much my take on this is that we kind of, I think we do kind of underrate our offensive line. And we do need to address certain positions. Obviously, I think the right guard position needs to be addressed better than it is currently. Um, even though I do have faith in Ifedi until I see him in a game situation where he's performing at a high level, I cannot give him, you know, my absolute 100% faith and like that. Um, but the interior of the line with the exception of Ifedi is pretty damn good. And then again, Massey, Leno, they're, they're pretty, they're pretty good. They're not bad. They're not the way a lot of Bears fans make them out to be. Okay. And I think the one thing I wanted to hit on with this segment is just when you have injuries at the offensive line, offensive lines can go downhill like this really, really quickly, right? They can completely lose everything they have going for it because a lot of it is a very, it's a cumulative effort. If one offensive lineman isn't holding up his share, then it ruins it for the rest of the offensive lineman. Because, hey, if your right guard isn't, you know, is getting blown past, especially right guard, because, hey, right guard, it has one of the quickest from the time of snap to the quarterback. It's it's one of the quickest ways to get through the offensive line, right? And you see Aaron Donald do it. He has really, really high, a really, really quick um, time to the quarterback solely because of the position he plays. It's a lot, it takes a lot more time to go around the edge, right? And when you have a player like a right guard who just lets a player blow past him, then the right tackle automatically has to adjust and try to get that player too, which then leaves him vulnerable because he has two players on him. And it's just a compounding effort. And, you know, when you don't have that unit as a whole, offensive line is so much more about having good or at least moderate quality players at every single position than it is having stars and scrubs, right? It's it's so much more about an entire unit than it is about one player. Yeah, I, and I think what you just said speaks to the fact that I think the major key for the Bears offensive line moving forward this season, you know, of course, is some better guidance under Juan Castillo. But it's also building that chemistry, not moving around a lot of players around the line and staying healthy. If they're able to keep a lot of the same players at the same position, stop moving around Daniels and Whitehair, you know, keep Whitehair at center where he's best and keep Daniels at left guard where he's best. And, you know, trying to work a Fetty in and then keeping that kind of chemistry up is going to be the key. That's the best way for over the duration of the season to get the best kind of line play. And, and with that quality that they have, you know, throughout the entirety of the offensive line, especially through the interior, they'll be able to do very well, even with not adding in that many huge pieces to that offensive line, just by building that chemistry and staying rigid and you know staying, keeping that integrity to position. I think those are the biggest keys. And like you said, it's not about having a star and a scrub. I mean, there are stars and scrubs. I mean, we've seen that before with the Bears offensive line, especially in like Kyle Long's early years. I mean, Kyle Long stood out everyone else on the offensive line blew and then you know fortunately they were able to build around him a bit more and we had a couple of really good offensive lines for a while and, and then you know injuries you know happen and, and that's something that can really deplete an offensive line fast I mean it's it's important to have depth but you know once you you know start getting a lot of injuries along the offensive line plugging people in they need to build up that chemistry right they need to work as a unit I mean you know, having good individual players is good, but, you know, learning to work together as a unit as a O-line is is the biggest and the most important part. And the Bears have a chance. They have the pieces to have a very good offensive line. It's just a matter of keeping that integrity. Yeah, and ultimately, if we can get, you know, just average play from Jermaine Effetti, which I think we could actually potentially get high quality play from him. He's that he's got that many good traits to him as a player. He's still working on, you know, the more technical side, but Hey, guard is a much less technical position than left tackle, right tackle. Um, So moving him to a position that may better fit him and what he played more in college. I think we're going to see a better Jermaine Effetti. Can he be average? Can he be above average? If that happens, this offensive line can be really good. Like this offensive line could be, 
top 15, top 10 potentially, if he performs well, just like it was in 2018, where hell, Kyle Long didn't play that well in 2018. He played average, you know, he still had injuries. You know, we still, we, we had some rotation there, but all the other players, they, they, they had the right type of consistency where they, and, and not only consistency, but um, just like faith in each other and ability to really understand the way each other plays. And that led them to being a top 10 offensive line statistically. Now, I don't know if Jermaine Effetti will offer us that level of consistency, but if he does, this line could be pretty good. This line doesn't need to be that bad. And it's not out of the question that he does that because, hell, one of the biggest busts, Eric Flowers, he jumped around from team to team to team. And finally, when he got to the Redskins, something clicked and he stuck. Okay, something something clicked and he stuck. And ultimately, yes, I would like to see us upgrade at this position, bring in another more well-known name just as from a safety standard, put them against each other. Um, but really, at the end of the day, it's just we if we can get that consistency there, this isn't a bad line. No, no, it, it isn't. And right, the pieces are there. It just needs to it needs to gel and, you know, fit together and. You know, it is almost as a good thing that, you know, that Rafetti is coming in with a new offensive line coach because the schemes are as new to everyone as it is to him. So, you know, they're almost all learning together. And so much of it is about trust. You know, when you're, you know, trusting the, the linemen around you, you're not second guessing and you can focus on your own, you know, task at hand. You know, like you said, with the whole tackle and guard situation, you know, when the right tackle doesn't have to worry about the right guard and he can focus on the edge rusher, just everything starts to work so seamlessly. So if the Bears offensive line can really start to build that trust and chemistry, it's going to be it's going to be perfect for him. Um, and it's not something that's over their heads. It's something that can be done. It's just a matter of doing it, though. It's easy. To, it's easy to talk about it and say, you know, yes, the Bears have the pieces and they can do it. They do need to improve from last season. That is 100 uh, percent true. And we need to see it happen. And I really hope it can. And I, and I do think it can happen. It's just we actually need to see it. Very much like, you know, what we talked about with the quarterback position with Trubisky, you know, seeing is believing. Yeah. And one last thing before we move on to our final topic. I'm really excited to see the new way the Chicago Bears run game develops this year. Because from my understanding, the reason why Helfrich and... Um, Geez, who was our offensive line coach or offensive high line coach? Oh, high stand. High stand. Yeah. Harry High stand. Um, who was you know a pretty good offensive line coach? He's really well respected. He got accredited for like Quentin Nelson's development. And but anyways, anyways, I'm really excited to see how the run game looks this year because, from my understanding, the reason why both of those two two coaches got fired was because they were put in charge of the run game. It was their duty this entire year to work together to come up with a good run scheme that worked out. And they didn't do it. The run game was actually pretty awful this year. So now we have Bill Lazor, who notably took Joe Mixon over a thousand yards in his rookie and second year. And then we also have Juan Castillo, who, you know, worked with the Buffalo Bills for a long time. You had Shady McCoy over there and some, you know, some decent running backs as well. Never really a shortage at run game there. So I'm really interested to see if these two coaching hires impact the way David Montgomery performs next year. Yeah, we can only hope. And with those players and those names that you tossed around there, it does seem very promising. I think a lot of Bears fans, you know, have kind of agreed with us and have been right there with us and saying that, yeah, Montgomery is going to break out, it seems like, in the comments section of YouTube and all that. That's where we kind of see the most agreeance. And and I think that video about that coming up today. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that it's just because there's so many traits about Montgomery that that really stand out and and look like he could have a breakout season that he could really be a top running back in this league. And it just is about getting that kind of run scheme set up and something that he's comfortable with. So with two, you know, with a offensive line coach and a coordinator that, that can really, you know, work to build that together. It's really, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out because it could be a massive, massive step up from what we saw last year. Yeah, and that's, you know, extremely exciting for us. And this next this next and final topic kind of plays into that as well. Um, I also saw an article uh, pretty recently asking the question if Matt Nagy is a good play caller or not. And, you know, that's something that we've really tried to kind of figure out as Bears fans. It's hard to kind of determine that. 
um, determine which one was him when it came to the play calls. Was it Helfrich? Was it Nagy? And um, I, that's why I wanted to bring up this next topic is how should we evaluate Matt Nagy's play calling? Like, has he has he been good or has he, you know, been bad? And ultimately, I don't think the question is as easy as that. I think it's a very complex question filled with a lot of yeah, buts. Um, yeah, but he's playing with Trubisky. Yeah, but he's, you know, now he has a quarterback. We're going to have to see. But Reese, what are your initial thoughts on whether or not Matt Nagy is actually a good play caller? Yeah, I, I think the scheme that Nagy has in place is, is pretty good. And I think that, you know, when you assess from where the play calling and where the offensive production was, you know, with that of John Fox, it's definitely leaps and bounds ahead of that. You know, what also needs to be taken into consideration is the roster and the offensive players that he has are also leaps and bounds better. So, you know, take that as you will. I think that what really bugs me about Matt Nagy's play calling is almost a situational play calling. I think, you know, we talked about this uh, a lot with uh, his red zone play calling. You know, the fact that he cannot get it in the end zone is a problem. I mean, getting too cute, you know, kind of moving away from running the football, even if they're getting blocked out. Um, you know, it seems like teams, the really good teams, they don't get that complicated on along the goal line and in the red zone. I mean, you see the same thing. They, you know, they try to pound the ball down the throw of the defense. If that doesn't work, then what's almost the next play you almost always see is a play action where you throw it into the flat and either the tight end or your fullback is there. I mean, we see it against the Bears all the time. Uh, I mean, damn, I, who literally won a game yeah. on us like that? I think it was the the Eagles. It was in the 2018 playoff game yep. against the Eagles yep. where uh, Golden Tate Went caught. to uh, Golden Tate, yep. Yeah. I mean, plays just like that. I mean, we see all the good teams run it. So it's just, it's almost, uh, it's remarkable we don't see that. I think that as far as play calling in the game goes, when the Bears are on it in 2018, they struck a pretty good balance. They ran a pretty decently balanced offense. It was last year when we really kind of started to see a lot of those issues. Fans were calling for them to give the ball to Montgomery more. But it just kind of, they got in a bad cycle where the offensive line didn't quite perform. They didn't have a great run scheme, so he always wanted to pass the ball, and the passing ball wasn't extremely efficient. So they almost couldn't win, but yeah, I'm curious to see what you have to say. I think that I think that Matt Nagy has decent play calling. I think he could improve as anyone could, uh, but really we need to see the most improvement in crucial play calling situations, especially those in the red zone. You know, I'm not as critical as Matt Nagy of Matt Nagy as a lot of Bears fans are. Some Bears fans, you'll talk to them, they think he's horrible. Or some people think Trubisky's horrible, and then he's just dealing with the results of that. I think a little bit on both sides of it's true. I think that the blame needs to be distributed um, upon both of them. This season is going to be very telling for the Chicago Bears and Matt Nagy in particular because, he, hey, he finally has a quarterback that knows how to run his system, right? When he was play calling with Chase Daniel, and people want to say that Chase Daniel is a better quarterback than Trubisky. No, Chase Daniel is not a better quarterback than Trubisky. But Matt Nagy's play calling with Chase Daniel was so different. Yeah, so astoundingly, different. astoundingly yeah, better. It, it was like watching a different coach coach for the Bears. And, you know, I think that is a product of the quarterback then. So with Trubisky, he didn't know most of the scheme. And it seemed like Matt Nagy was either trying to throw his entire scheme at him or none of the scheme at him. Oh, the entire playbook isn't working. Okay, we're going to throw, you know, screen passes for the ne next entirety of the game. You know, that that it was that polar differences. And I think Trubisky, you know, rightfully so. He was still a young quarterback. He was only in his second year of the scheme. Trubisky, rightfully so, was str maybe struggling a little bit with learning the playbook, struggling with reading the defenses, making the checks at the line of scrimmage. So so he, he, he didn't know the entire playbook. So he rightfully so, he might have been a little bit overwhelmed with what Matt Nagy was throwing at him. Matt Nagy's mistake was then cutting it down to a pretty much incompetent quarterback level, like we were playing with a third-string quarterback or something. Um, it, it, it was just that polar opposites. And, you know, that's on Matt Nagy. The fact that Matt Nagy couldn't find some sort of in-between for his quarterback into, you know, where he he's playing part of the scheme but maybe not using everything, maybe that that's on Matt Nagy, right? But also, you know, the fact that Trubisky couldn't learn the playbook fully is on him. And 
I, that's why I'm excited to see Nick Foles, because I think Nick Foles can actually play extremely well this year. Because I think Matt Nagy, when a quarterback knows his scheme, is a good play caller. I think he play calls pretty damn well, actually. And I think you saw it take pressure off the run game when he had Chase Daniel in there. He was able to really balance everything out. And he was able to more focus on the game rather than, can my quarterback perform this play? Which is a huge difference in mindset. So ultimately, is Matt Nagy a good play caller? When the quarterback knows the scheme, I think yes. When the quarterback, you know, maybe doesn't know the scheme fully, I would say no. I don't think Matt Nagy has been that great for Mitchell Trubisky. I don't think he's developed him that well. And you can blame that partially on, you know, Dave Ragone, the um, previous quarterback's coach, now passing game coordinator. And we'll see if, you know, obviously our new coaching staff changes will help alter that a little bit. Um, But I think that Matt Nagy, he has his flaws. But at the same time, he can perform well when the quarterback knows the scheme. Something I love you brought up, Reese, is the red zone play. And the Bears, they struggled They struggled a little bit in the red zone when Chase Daniel was in the game. But it wasn't as apparent as when it was with Trubisky. But the thing that always pissed me off is it was like we could never get in the red zone when we were on the one-yard line. But at the same time, every damn time we ran a two-point conversion, we somehow converted it. Like it was like it was it was these weird like polar opposites in that regard. And you know, I think there is times where Matt Nagy gets tries to get too fancy, and maybe that's because Trubisky can't do everything. We don't really know yet. We 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 have as many questions to answer about Matt Nagy this year as we have about Trubisky and Nick Foles this year. It's going to be just a really telling year. And that's why I'm excited for this season. You know, I'm excited to see, hey, is Matt Nagy the coach that we've been needing? Is Trubisky just really that bad? Because I think we'll get a really, you know, true perception of that, considering that the Bears are playing better a lot of the time with Chase Daniel, even though Chase Daniel is not a good quarterback. That's pretty startling. So, you know, is, is Matt Nagy a good play caller? I don't think we know yet. I, I think that he could be. I think he could be a really good play caller. And something else that I, I love you brought up, Reese, was the whole um, was the whole uh, Golden Tate play. The funny thing is that the Eagles ran that play three plays consecutively. That w- they ran the same play three times in a row. The Bears knew what was happening every single time, and somehow it just was so unstoppable that after three times they got in. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wish I was better at analytics because then I could tell you, you know, whether or not what I'm saying is true or not. But I almost feel like I feel like if you looked at the numbers and you broke it down, and of course there's less numbers to pour over with Chase Daniel than there is with Trubisky. But I feel like they just ran more play action with Chase Daniel at quarterback, and, and as a result, they end up throwing the ball you know downfield a lot more. It just seemed like it worked out that way, and like you said, watching them play under Chase Daniel and Mitchell Trubisky was watching like two totally different offenses, and yeah, it, it really seems it's very polarizing. It's almost like you know Nagy is like this manic play caller, you know, where he almost he's like in two totally different moods depending on like what the situation is about. So, man, yeah, I, I wish that you know some of these things could be figured out and, and smoothed out, and you know. I think that's a lot of what we initially said with Nick Foles was, you know, having a quarterback that can understand his offense and having that familiarity with the offense is just going to give him so much of a boost over Trubisky. And, and, and you know, that storyline has maybe faded away, but I, I think the like the the actual premise of that comment is still very much true. And it's a it's about you know how much has Trubisky learned about this playbook? I mean, come on, this is you know in his third year in the system now. There's no more time to make excuses about oh, he doesn't understand the play or he doesn't understand the offense. And, you know, if it boils down to you have to pick the quarterback that knows the offense better. And, you know, I know all of us want to give Trubisky a shot. You know, I've seen it with all the Bears fans in the YouTube comments. You know, this is Trubisky's year. Like, we have to give him another shot, you know, this and that. And I understand and I agree with the sentiment for the most part. But if it ends up coming down to which quarterback knows the offense better, and the quarterback that's actually been on the team for three years but still doesn't understand it, and then the new quarterback that you know had some knowledge from the past about it comes in and still knows a lot more, I think the, the decision is pretty clear then. Yeah, I think you bring up a lot of great points, especially about Matt Nagy being a little bit manic with his play calling. It's just, it's so unfortunate because I think as, you know, with being a head coach, 
one of the big things you have to get used to is like play calling and managing a team when you're not under perfect conditions. And it is a little bit worrisome that, you know, maybe Matt Nagy isn't the best coach to be, you know, developing a young quarterback. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. And yeah, the best coaches, no matter the circumstance, know how to extract the best from their players. You know, they know how to work with them. They know how to stick to their scheme, but also, you know, change and fix and adapt things as much as they need to in order to get, you know, the actual players that they have that are available to them to be playing at their best. And yeah, it seems like at times, you know, Nagy has not been able to to accomplish that. And it, it is worrisome. And I think that you know, Pace has provided Nagy some some good teams to go out there and play some very competitive football with. And they've played good competitive football even when this team has been looking, like, with the eye test, very poor. So, you know, I think, you know, we're just going to have to see how this plays out over the course of the season. And, you know, we're going to learn a lot, like you said. I mean, it's a telling season for not only Trubisky, but also Nagy, and we'll see what role Foles has in it, you know, as the season progresses, and and maybe even from week one. So, uh, so we're gonna learn a lot about this Bears team this year. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, guys, I think that's a good way to, you know, cap it off. We I have a lot to learn about Matt Nagy this off season, or this season. Um, thank you guys so much for all the support. We've been seeing a big increase in the amount of listeners we've been getting on the podcast. We just hit 150 subscribers on YouTube this week, so that's big, uh, especially really only be po- being posting for like three weeks now. It's really yeah. big for us. We're, we're seeing Insane. a lot of growth there, so thank you thank you so much, guys. I mean, a couple videos over 1K in a day. We have like three videos over 2K now. It's just been uh, it's been awesome seeing how much growth we've been getting, particularly in this last part of the last part before the season. We're hoping that this season... This is going to be our breakout year. This is not only going to be Trubisky's or Nick Foles, but this is going to be the bare necessities breakout year. So, everybody, thank you so much, and uh, we'll see you. Uh, we'll see you on Monday. Yep. Bear down. Bear down.